The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, Join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week for our show. For those of you who missed it, uh, we had an amazing show last week. And just to recap it, we had a, a, a counselor, an educator in grief and bereavement, a dear friend of mine, Lisa, who talked about bereavement in children. And we also had a psychic medium uh, come in and talk about the afterlife. And during that show, what happened was, as the psychic medium, Susan Stockton, was talking, she started getting chills and had trouble talking. And she told us on air that there was a spirit trying to come in to the scene, and it was the spirit of a young girl, at which point we looked at Lisa, who was the bereavement advisor, who started crying and said, well, that's my sister who died at age 15. So some really unusual things, but as a result... Lisa has gotten several calls uh, and contacts from people who are interested in what she does. And Susan Stockton, the psychic medium, has been approached by many people now to do some medium in connection with those who passed over. So some interesting things on board. But I want to welcome you back to our show. I want to do my usual honorable mentions. First of all, to my patient, Ed, who's recovering from surgery, home today from prostate surgery. So, Ed, hope you have a quick recovery. Hope all goes well. To Diane, who is still at the hospital at Mayo in Scottsdale, she got diagnosed with her lymphoma about two weeks ago, undergoing chemotherapy and radiation. Spirits are high. She's doing well. Uh, to my patient Nancy, who is in a rehab facility from a stroke, she's going back to her home in a couple days, so we're wishing her well. To my patient Bill and his family, we called in hospice about a week ago because he started uh, his kidneys started failing. Uh, his dementia started getting worse, but believe it or not, he's starting to rally. So he's a, he's a tough guy, but uh, he's still feisty. So we encourage him to to hang in there. It's not time yet, but uh, we've got a lot of support for him. I also got some emails uh, from of some dear friends, Ananda Roberts. Ananda is the president of In Focus Solutions here in Scottsdale. It's tremendous. It's a great organization. They deal with tracking educational objectives for children. Uh, look her up, nfocus.com, Amanda Roberts. She's great. She says, you're a rock star, Admiral, and she remembered that I was an Admiral. Well, she's awesome, too. Wonderful person. Also, we plan to have a call-in, if he can make it, Howie Franklin from North Carolina, who listens in regularly. He was a senior flight attendant on Air Force One under, let's see, under Bush Sr. and Clinton. And I traveled all the way around the world with Howie, very meticulous, really cool guy. Used to joke with us that when he was a young boy growing up in North Carolina, he would look up in the air and he would see Air Force One flying overhead. He would point to the plane and say, you know, guys, one day I'm going to grow up and clean the toilets on that airplane. So, wow, Howie. But, you know, he went on to become the senior Flight attendant, the uh, chief uh, senior master sergeant, which is the highest you can go as enlisted, 
and stayed on board. Had great stories to tell. Just a great guy. We just love him. Also want to do a shout-out and happy birthday to Jim McLeod. Uh, he is the black cloud in my book, The White House Doctor. He's He was a senior medic with me at the White House uh, under two administrations, and he is my office manager, my office practice, practice manager, my right hand, my right brain, uh, just amazing guy, helps me become successful. I, I, I give him an honorary MD because he's so good, and he's home today celebrating his birthday. So happy birthday to you, Jim. It truly is a small world when I think about it. This morning, I had the honor of speaking to a group here at the Ritz-Carlton in Phoenix. During the winter months, Scottsdale, Arizona, and Phoenix are the perfect place for conventions. And there was a convention in town, which is the American Association of Medical Colleges. And you talk about small world. How did I get invited to do their keynote? Well, first of all, it dates back to about a year and a half ago. And I was at Barnes & Noble, and I was looking for a book by the former White House florist, Nancy Clark, who has unfortunately since passed away a year ago. So she had put out a a book uh, about a year or so ago, and a couple years ago, and I was looking for that book at Barnes & Noble. So I go up to the desk, and there's a lady named Pamela working there, and I ask Pam, do you have this book by the White House florist? And she goes, yeah, let me walk you over to it. She hands me the book, and she looks at me and says, you know, you should also get another book that we have, which is done by the White House doctor. So she picks up my book, where I've got my chin in my hand, and she says, this is a really good book. And I said, I know. I wrote it. And so I put my chin in my hand, and she's like, oh, my gosh, it's you. So I was really touched by that. And then she said, my husband, Tom Billard, is the Director of Student Financial Services at Midwestern University here in Glendale. And would it be possible for him to ask you to speak in an event? And I said, sure, give me a call. So a few weeks later, Tom called me up and asked me to be a guest speaker on at their Dream Fair for Career Day at Coronado High School here in Phoenix, which about half of the students are Hispanic. And I had the pleasure of going there and meeting with the students, telling them my life story of being the underdog and going from underdog to top dog. And I was hoping that some of the students would go to college, go to graduate school, and do some amazing things with their life. And so that's how I met Tom. Well, a few months later, Tom forwarded my name to a gal named Shelley Yerman, who's a senior specialist in student financial aid with the Association of American Colleges in Washington. And she asked me to be their keynote speaker at their professional development conference this morning here in Phoenix. And what it was was their annual conference where they would take financial aid advisors or officers from all the different health profession schools around the country. And these are the amazing people who work for the medical schools, and they are the unsung heroes. They look for funding, they look for scholarship, ways to finance medical school education for their students. They meet with the students, they go over funding sources, uh, both from the government, which unfortunately those funding sources are shrinking, as well as loans. And they try to be as positive as possible. One of the things they told me and what they do is 86% of medical schools get loans uh in order to pay the debt for that school, for the students. The average debt of a graduate from medical medical school today is $155,000. So you get your MD and you get an invoice for $155,000 to pay that debt. So I tell them I am so blessed because 
I got through college in California with a California State Scholarship, which in, back in the 70s, uh, if you were in the top 10%, it was a full ride through college. But, of course, it doesn't pay for room and board and your food. So I tapped into the bank of mom and dad to help me pay for that. I also tapped into other scholarships for minority groups and women and, and professional groups, tapped into a scholarship from the Navy that helped me through college, and also I worked. I worked as a civil service clerk, typist in the summers, so anything to help pay that pay that amount. In my family, when we were growing up, debt and borrowing money was a bad thing. My family was one that never used a credit card until their late 60s. My parents never had a credit card. If they wanted to buy anything, they had the cash up front. So what a different world it is where people nowadays buy something, don't have the money, and think that the credit card will absolve it. So, But I really I really miss that fiscal responsibility that my parents have, and I try to try to do that as much as possible in my own life. But I look back at what these people do at the college uh, that, that I visited at the conference in terms of finding money because part of it is you you want your medical school education but you have to in order to get your degree you have to get the money you know nothing happens unless you get the funding so i thank all the good people who attended my my keynote this morning for being there for listening in because if it weren't for these people to find the money Nothing happens. But it was a pretty neat day today. I, I spoke at the uh, conference at the Ritz-Carlton. Then I had lunch today at the Capitol Grill. I try to eat very healthy, and we'll talk about that in our next segment with Dr. William Lee, but I'll tell you more about him. But I went to the Capitol Grill, had a wonderful salmon salad, and I had lunch with a dear friend of mine, Dr. Carolyn Wolgamuth. And I've known Carolyn for about 17 years. I met her when I was at the White House in Washington, and she is a psychiatrist in private practice in the Washington, D.C. area. And for the past 17 years, we exchanged Christmas cards. I watched her family grow. She watched my family and just remained good friends. And one of the advantages of having friends who are psychiatrists, they help you, they help you deal with things in the world. Uh, one of the reasons I didn't go through therapy during that time is I, I, I got to see her once a month at high tea at the Hay Adams, and we would talk. And I have wonderful friends who are therapists, and we just talk about things. And sometimes I talk more about helping them as they help me. But it's all, being able to bounce off ideas and say, is this rational? What do I do about this? And just having somebody to be understanding and compassionate. So I thank her for that great time. So I think what a small world it is, and an even more smaller world, as I was sitting at lunch, I saw two of my patients in the restaurant. One gentleman walked in, my 85-year-old gentleman walked in with his uh, 25-year-old granddaughter, uh, who is in college at Harvard. And then another one of my patients escaped my, my contact, but he was there in the boardroom. I can see him. Uh, unfortunately, he has problems with alcohol, but I did not talk to him. I didn't see if he was drinking. So it is indeed a small world here in Arizona. One of the things I want to talk about is briefly is about being a clinician and the Internet. And I will see patients. I usually block off 30 minutes to an hour sometimes with a patient who I know has multiple questions. And I already know how it's going to begin. My patient comes in, and they have already printed out a bunch of articles from the Internet. And it's like, oh, goodness, here they come. And I'm not alone. A lot of patients look at the Internet to diagnose what's wrong with them. In fact, when you look at patients in the Internet, 35% of Americans have gone to the Internet for a diagnosis. I would think that's higher. 77% of adults go online 
sort of doing their medical sleuthing with search engines rather than look for specific health sites, they're finding an answer. About 41% of patients diagnose online, and they go to their doctors who confirm the diagnosis that they found online. And about 18% of them who self-diagnose online had the diagnosis disputed by a doctor. Now, I try to be cool about this. I, I know there are some doctors who are really offended that the patient thinks they know better than the doctor. And when they come in and they challenge them, and say, well, I have this. And the doctor's like, how do you know you have this? I tell them, don't don't be threatened. Because in a lot of ways, it's good that the patient feels empowered to find the cause they're helping you. And a lot of my, I what I believe is their doctor, I'm their advocate. I'm their partner in care. And if they can come up with an idea, idea as to what's going along, along I want to see it. I want to know. A lot of times, if I've done all the testing and I can't figure out what's wrong with this patient, I'll look to them and say, what do you think is going on? Can you tell me an idea? What do you fear is going on? So for the doctors out there, don't don't feel threatened. I think it's a good thing that patients are empowered. I just worry when patients t- start to try to treat themselves because that can be dangerous. And I think as a result of the Internet, we have a lot of patients who expect different things. One of the things is how long do you expect a cold to last? Now, on average, when you look at doctors and who trace it, an average cold, cold symptoms last about 18 days, 18 days. They did a survey in Georgia with about 500 adults, and those adults said they expected their symptoms to last, symptoms to last seven to nine days. So there really is a mismatch between reality and expectations. And one of the things I, I frequently get asked, patient will call, says, I have a cold, give me a Z-Pack. We're not advertising Z-Packs. They have a purpose. But for a cold, a Z-Pack is not going to treat a virus. It's going to entertain you for five days, but it doesn't treat it. So, and I was even told that patients call urgent care centers ZPAC clinics. And in Florida, one of the things they tell us that a lot of patients will go shopping around. If you don't give them a ZPAC, they'll find somebody who does, but it still doesn't treat it. They're, if they have a cold and they're, they're sick with that cough, it's going to be another three weeks and about 90% of their chances. So keep in mind regarding that. Um, we've got a great show lined up today. I'm going to have Dr. William Lee on in the next section of this. I met Dr. Will Lee through a mutual patient of ours about two years ago. patient had a very awful diagnosis, almost terminal diagnosis at the time, and Dr. William Lee has been an amazing rock star medical advisor. And I'm going to tell you more about Dr. Lee after this break, so please stay tuned. What you hear in the next segment with Dr. William Lee could change the way you live your life, the way you eat your food, and avoid cancer if you can. So stay tuned for some a lot of great information from our guest speaker. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? 
The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, coming soon. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Thank you for, for tuning in. One of the things I worry about every day as a physician in practice is cancer. I am the person who tells people bad news a lot, unfortunately, in my practice. And I had to tell bad news to a wonderful man about two years ago. He was 58. He and his wife were in my office. And I had to tell him he had this very rare form of liver cancer that dealt with the blood vessels in his liver. And it was horrific. And people, patients will always remember where they were, how it was said when they were told they had cancer. And I find it interesting. If I told somebody in the hospital, you've had a heart attack, it's a little bit better coped with. They, they, they can handle that better. But when you say the word cancer, it's, it's almost like a death sentence. And we've been fortunate that with a lot of cancers, early detection makes a big difference in their lives. If you find it early, if it's certain types of cancer, the survival rate is amazingly good. Other types still, like pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, are still not so good. But, I mean, we could do several series all about the state of cancer. But what I wanted to do was share, share you that story about my patient with the liver cancer because he did not want to take no for an answer. He was young, only 58, had a whole life ahead of him, was very healthy. And in our quest to find an answer to confirm what it was, what that type of cancer was, and what to do about it, I was led to the office of Dr. William Lee. And I've worked with Dr. Lee over the last couple years to help this patient who has hopefully a lot of a better prognosis now. We're waiting for liver transplant for this man. But we've been on this journey together, Dr. Lee and I, and I went to his office in Cambridge a couple years ago <clears throat> to meet Dr. Lee and to visit him. And let me tell you about Dr. William Lee. First of all, he's an international expert in health and disease, and he his program uh, is called the Angiogenesis Foundation, and he fights 
disease based on an approach called angiogenesis. And angiogenesis deals with our blood vessels and keeping them in a healthy state of balance. Dr. Lee is the founder, president, and medical director of the Angiogenesis Foundation. And this organization leads worldwide efforts to advance new ways of conquering cancer, conquering blindness, heart disease, diabetes, and more than 70 other conditions. His work has impacted more than 23 million people across 94 countries. And I think this is even more astounding. In 2010, rock star Bono recognized Dr. Lee in the New York Times as, quote, one of the top ten to watch for in the coming decade with the potential to change the world. Well, I truly agree with Bono. In fact, I'm here to introduce Dr. William Lee. Not only is he a rock star, but he's a, he's a focus of hope for many patients out there. And so, first of all, welcome, Dr. Lee, for being on our show today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. As we had talked about over the last couple of years with my patient, one of the things I, I always go back to is diet. And I know you and I have had conversations, and I, I worry about it too because I love artificial sweeteners. I used to love Diet Coke. Are there certain diets that you see predispose people to cancer? Well, you know, we're, we're born with our genes, and we can't do much yet to change our genes, although... I'm also working on some projects in which we may be able to improve our own genetics. But the one thing that we um, uh, know that we can change is how we live. And our diet and lifestyle uh, impacts, in fact, the card, the deck of cards that our um, parents um, dealt us in terms of our genetics. And so one of the things that I think is really important is to take a look at how we can actually help people uh, through medical research by understanding not only what our genes do. There's a lot of outstanding researchers looking at the genetics of disease, genetics of cancer, but I think there's a whole other world of looking at how our environment impacts on people. And food and diet really, I think, is really the, the next frontier, although in some ways it's the oldest frontier of, of actually how we can stay healthy. Uh, we hear an awful lot about um, stopping smoking, uh, um, um, trying to exercise, um, I think um, using a scientific approach to diet is the new way to actually fight cancer. Are you seeing an increase in certain types of cancer now? Well, I think that the you know the drivers uh, for increased cancer in the, around the world today, and I work with the Clinton Global Initiative through my organization to lower the global burden of non-communicable diseases, starting with cancer. And what we're really looking at is um, a population around the world that's growing. We, we broke uh, a multi-billion dollar, uh, sorry, multi-billion number population um, uh, scale. Uh, I think it was seven billion last year. Uh, and as our, the population of the Earth increases, um, and there's more people living there, we're actually becoming more industrial, the developing world becomes a little bit more health-wise like the developed world, meaning that even people in um, uh, uh, poor, poorer countries um, like Africa and Latin America and India are now starting to experience the same kind of environmental conditions and, and, and therefore the diseases that we have in the United States and elsewhere. And so um, first world problems now become developing world problems, and that includes cancer. And we're beginning to see cancer rise to the forefront 
of <clears throat> an expanding population where people are getting older as well. So this is this is the, the call to action to actually um, conquer cancer is not just one of treatment. We need to treat people with cancer, but even the bigger opportunity is using science to prevent it. Are you seeing certain types of diets that are preventative for cancer? Yeah, so, you know, the, the thing that I think is really uh, amazing is, is looking at the convergence between three different uh, types of worlds. One is the world of biology, specifically molecular biology, which is just a fancy way of saying that we now are able to have the tools to understand how our, um, the cells in our bodies work better. The other um, uh, uh, amazing field that converges in this is epidemiology, which is the study of how people really uh, uh, live and how they and how life um, uh, winds up for them uh, in real cities and real villages and real populations and real communities. And then the third um, uh, science that's actually uh, coming to, to bear is food science. You know, we we've always think about. Um, calories and how much fat and how much salt is in our food. But the new science, and this is an area that we're really trying to pioneer at the Angiogenesis Foundation, is to understand what types of natural substances Mother Nature has laced into foods and beverages and spices that actually in the laboratory show very clear evidence that they can actually fight and prevent cancer. But then when you actually look at public health studies, epidemiology, we're realizing that we now understand how certain foods um, actually can lower the risk of cancer, and we're beginning to discover the molecules, the natural substances that contribute to it. Well, what kind of foods are you finding that prevent it or serve that type of role? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples, okay. um, and, and there will be a longer list that I'll tell your listeners where they can come find sure. it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, um, everybody knows the Mediterranean diet is healthy, uh, and, and who doesn't like um, tomato sauce, uh, whether it's on pasta um, or, or in some other uh, areas that you cook tomatoes. Well, the epidemiologists are telling us through a study of 79,000 men that in looking at them over the course of 25 years, that eating that those men who eat ate two to three servings of cooked tomatoes per week, that's not a hard thing to do. I mean, how many times have you gone mm-hmm. out and just had a, bowl of, uh, a plate of spaghetti a couple of times a week? Sure. That... That decreases the risk of prostate cancer by up to 40%. Wow. That's a big number. And in men who actually went on to develop prostate cancer, those who ate even more servings of tomato, cooked tomatoes per week had less aggressive prostate cancer and fewer blood vessels. That's the angiogenesis that hi- cancers hijack in order to feed their cancer. So this really comes right back to my field where I'm looking at an idea pioneered by my research mentor, Dr. Judah Folkman, one of the giants of science uh, who was at Harvard, who had this idea that cancers are actually harmless until they actually hijack our blood vessel systems and release fertilizers that grow new blood vessels to feed themselves and to spread. So what do tomatoes have? Well, they have at least three natural molecules. One of them is the one that we're familiar with, lycopene, but there's two other players that we've identified, rutin, and beta-cryptoxanthin, they actually contribute to the um, dark, rich red color of the tomato and a little bit of their flavor. These molecules are actually anti-antigenic, which means that they actually prevent cancers from hijacking blood vessels, so they starve cancers. Wow. And cooking the tomatoes actually makes the lycopene 
more easily absorbed by the body. So you so, have to cook it, right? You can't just eat a raw tomato, right? Exactly. Well, so here's what's interesting. You know, um, for years, uh, when I was uh, in college, you know, I went to the salad bar <laughs> at lunch, uh, you know, um, trying to eat as many uh, uh, vegetables and and, uh, uh, and tomatoes as I could. And I didn't realize that when you actually take a tomato and eat it raw, so it's like picking a tomato off the vine of your garden and, and biting it like an apple. Sure. Most of the good stuff in there, the, 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 the natural cancer fighters, aren't readily absorbed by your body. Oh, but gosh. when you heat that tomato, uh, uh, and the best way to heat it was, is with olive oil, you can actually bring the temperature up and it actually changes the chemical structure so the lycopene is in a form your body can absorb. Wow. Stand by, Dr. Lee. We're going to come back to you. We're going to do a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk more about tomato sauce, what types of tomatoes are the best, and I'm going to prescribe it for my patient who's recovering from prostate cancer Great. today. So stand by, everybody, for a quick break, and we'll be back with Dr. William Lee. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Thanks for returning to our show. We are fortunate to have Dr. William Lee, who is an expert in health and disease fighting based on the angiogenesis approach. He's the president and founder of the Angiogenesis Foundation and in Cambridge. He's helped so many people, and we were talking just a few minutes ago about prostate cancer, and we were talking basically about foods that are cancer-fighting. 
And Dr. Lee had talked about tomato sauce as a form of fighting cancer because of the molecules in it, lycopene and the two other chemicals, the molecules that really uh, help you fight cancer. Um, and it's the only the only way that this works is you have to heat up the tomatoes to form the tomato sauce because if you eat it raw, it just it doesn't work that way. Are there certain tomato sauces you recommend, Dr. Lee? Yeah, so this is an area of research that um, <clears throat> my organization, the Angiogenesis Foundation, is doing. Is we're we're really trying to uh, understand how one form of the same food is different from another form of the same food. In other words, when you go to um, uh, the market, uh, uh, particularly if you go to Europe or you go to Whole Foods <clears throat> uh, or another uh, uh, food that has a lot of fresh produce, you realize that tomatoes aren't the same. You've got the beautiful, perfect red ones. You've got the small cherry ones. You've got the ones in the cans, and then you've got these big misshapen ones. You know the heirloom tomatoes, and mm-hmm. you know. And we talk about lycopene. You know, you read about it in the uh, natural uh, health sections, and it's almost as if uh, all the tomatoes are the same. Well, they're not. And so the type of research we're doing is to try to figure out which one is the best tomato and really try to reevaluate the, the quality of certain foods. Some might taste better, some might be more healthier for you, and ideally uh, we find a food where it really is tasty and healthy. And it turns out with tomatoes, we may have already come across that. Um, uh, if you talk to, you know, we were referring to the, the Mediterranean diet, and it turns out that, you know, Italians uh, have really, in some ways, mastered the tomato. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most famous Italian tomatoes is called the San Marzano tomato. grows on a hill of a volcano, mm-hmm. which has got, uh, you know, really dry, uh, special uh, type of, of uh, volcanic type of lava-y soil. Mm. And it turns out that, and you can find, by the way, San Marzano tomatoes, uh, in in the grocery store, you just they're, they're canned uh, and they're they're labeled San Marzano tomatoes, and it turns out that the levels of lycopene and some of these other natural substances, natural cancer fighting substances, is among the highest in San Marzano tomatoes compared to, for example, the beefy red. So, when in doubt, go to the San Marzano. San Marzano. Yeah. You know, do you see a lower incidence of prostate cancer in Italian men in Italy? <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. Uh, there, there's a there is a research uh, project called GloboCan that actually <clears throat> is on the web, and, and it looks at the map of cancer, the incidence, meaning how often it is diagnosed anew every year, and mortality. And if you look at this map of cancer, you can see almost for many different types of cancer, and I believe prostate cancer, if you look at the boots of Italy, mm-hmm. it's always less than United States, uh-huh. and Russia, and other places. So there's something to the Mediterranean diet, beyond just being heart-healthy and tasty. Wow. I'm going to change a little bit here. Sure. Tell me about one of the things I always worry about when I when I drink my tea, and I should be drinking green tea because I yeah. know you say that green tea is a lot healthier than other types of tea, but I always reach for the sweetener package. I don't eat, no. uh, you don't use sugar. I use a sweetener either. I usually use Splenda, but everybody says use Truvia or Stevia. I don't use the pink or the blue. What are your thoughts about artificial sweeteners? Well, you know, you know, my focus isn't really what do you actually put into your diet, and if you put enough good stuff in your diet, it'll hip check out the, mm-hmm. the negative stuff. But I think the question you ask is a really good one, which is, you know, um, uh, uh, how often should we be using synthetic materials mm-hmm. or processed foods um, in what we eat? And I, I think it's kind of a common sense answer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we were evolved uh, as humans 
uh, to eat naturally. Uh, I don't think we need to be uh, vegans or to live an extreme lifestyle, but wherever we can, I think it's better to eat um, naturally, fresh, um, ideally locally, and certainly seasonally. And so when it comes to um, tea, I think that you know tea is good to have without sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, if you have to have sugar, use a, um, a more natural uh, sweetener, whether it's stevia or people use honey. Um, and here's another interesting tip about um, uh, tea. Um, uh, you know, some people use milk uh, and put in their tea. Maybe not the green tea, but maybe a black tea. Oh. Milk actually binds to the catechins, the natural cancer fighters in tea, and precipitates it or brings it right down to the cup, to the bottom of the cup, and so you, you don't drink it. So, huh. so actually, to get a cancer-fighting materials, you don't want to actually mix milk in your tea. Oh, goodness gracious. Because, you know, I'll do high tea, and I'll throw some cream in there, so I should not mix That's my right. milk. Oh, gosh. You know, okay, now your, I know. <laughs> drink your chai latte because you enjoy the taste. Right. But if you want the cancer-fighting high-test stuff, um, drink it Drink it straight. Are you a supplement user? Do you recommend supplements? <clears throat> you know, I think supplements have their role. I think that, uh, you know, my world is all about evidence. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have great ideas. It's great to have appealing ideas. But my, you know, I'm, I'm an internal medicine doc like you, uh, Connie, and, and, you know, how we approach our world really has to be consistent and backed by proof. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the big problems of supplements uh, are that, um, there's not a lot of proof for a lot of them. There's a lot of great ideas. Now, um, my my organization has actually done some scientific research on a few supplements that are out there. We've been very interested in soy-based supplements and have done the research to show that they are, there are some that are truly active. And we've also been, interestingly, looking at marine-based um, supplements uh, coming out of Canada, and there are some really potent ones. And my my vision is that we should have a consumer reports of supplements based on scientific evidence. And Absolutely. Then Absolutely. we should rate them. Which ones are the best and which ones are the strongest Absolutely. and which ones are the most cost effective. Because I see so many patients who come to me and say, well, I got this on the Internet or I went to my naturopath or my homeopath, and I said, I don't know what what you're taking. They'll take 20 different yeah. pills, and I really don't understand yeah. uh what they are what that they are doing with that. So that that definitely is something that I, I worry about. Yeah. Tell me, for breast cancer, are there any particular things women shouldn't use or should avoid? Or you know, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I'll, I'll address head on uh, something that uh, uh, a controversy that has been confusing for folks, which is that many women in America, in particular, are told by their doctors if you have breast cancer to avoid soy. Right. 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 Now, um, I'll tell you, there's sort of the, the it, it's a bit of an urban legend, um, hmm. and I'll tell you how it came about. Um, inside the soybean is a natural plant-based estrogen called a phytoestrogen. The phyto means it comes from a plant. And because the word estrogen is on there, and we know that human estrogen, the kind that we our own bodies make, can actually provoke breast cancers, the, the sort of the logical connection was that, well, then don't eat that uh, plant estrogen because it might be bad for you. And that's really become an urban legend. In point of fact, uh, women in Asia who eat soy um, uh, even if they have breast cancer, don't have worse outcomes. They don't, they don't die faster. Their cancer doesn't spread more aggressively. And, in fact, a major study in the Journal of American Medical uh, Association actually showed in women in Shanghai that the women who ate more soy actually survived longer. So how do we make sense of this? You know, yeah. you have a, here you have a plant estrogen in, a women, right. in, in women. turns out that the plant estrogen does not activate the breast cancer cells the same way that human estrogen do. Interesting. And in fact, it blocks 
the human estrogen. So in fact, plant the, the soy estrogen, phytoestrogen is beneficial. And on top of that, the, this phytoestrogen called genistein in soybeans is anti-androgenic, so it cuts off the blood supply. Uh, so that, that tofu, edamame, what type of soy, what type of soy uh, would all, you recommend? All, all the above. Okay. Uh, you know, if you go to an Asian market or go to an Asian restaurant, I know there's some great ones in Scottsdale. Yeah. Um, and and you just take a look at the menu. There's so many ways that soy can be uh, actually had. Um, edamame, uh, uh, tofu. Uh, you can actually have um, uh, soy sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different kinds of fermented soy. And as it turns out, uh, you know, Asians uh, have really figured out many clever ways. Uh, in my background, I'm a Chinese American. I was mm-hmm. born in this country, but I inherited this sort of um, from my parents this this curiosity about foods and. I think when, you know, for those of us who have origins originally from other countries, um, uh, you know, we, we always sort of compare notes with our friends. And one, one of the things that I think if you're, if you are of, of Asian descent, uh, one of the advantages we have is a, is a long history of eating all kinds of things. And in Asia, they have figured out how to ferment soybeans, right. mash <laughs> soybeans, turn them sweet, turn them salty, um, and it's beneficial. Wow. One of the urban legends that comes up often among my patients, let's say I have a patient diagnosed with lymphoma, and they tell them, do not eat any candy, do not eat any sugar, because cancer cells love the sugar. Do you, what do you find from that from research? Yeah, so that's a great question, and I, I will tell you that it is actually um, red hot. Um, uh, uh, it's a red hot uh, topic in the cancer research world. Um, I will tell you that, first of all, how that urban legend started is because, you know, many cancer patients wind up having different types of scans. Mm-hmm. One, they get CT scans and MRI scan. scans, and one of the kinds of scans is called a PET scan, positron emission scan. And what the, what the PET scan does is it actually measures um, how uh, quickly and how uh, aggressively cancers take up um, glucose. And so glucose is sugar. And so in interpreting this, you know, cancers eat sugar, and you can find the sugar lighting up in a cancer patient, so don't eat sugar because it could actually be absorbed by the cancer and feed the cancer. So that's the urban legend. Um, And in point of fact, I mean, as we all know who practice general medicine, you know, our body is this incredible regulator of sugar. It's very difficult. We shouldn't eat too much sugar, but it's very difficult to eat enough sugar just to overwhelm your body with sugar. We are, you know, if you don't have diabetes, um, our body metabolizes the sugar, breaks it down, stores it pretty quickly. Now, that said, I will tell you some breaking news from the frontiers of cancer research. We're beginning to realize that when patients are being treated with chemotherapy or radiation, the cancer cells react to the treatments, you know, because the treatments are killing the cancer cells. Mm -hmm. They try to react by switching on new ways to create sugar for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, at least in the lab, we're beginning to realize that when you deprive um, <clears throat> those cancer cells that are receiving chemotherapy radiation, um, we deprive them of sugar and put them in what we call a ketogenic state. Um, it actually um, uh, pulls the rug out from them, and it makes them more sensitive to chemotherapy and radiation. So, um, you know, I, uh, and this is so new that I, I would say that uh, it'll take another two or three, maybe five years before we work it all out. But, but it may be that when patients are getting chemo and radiation that there may be some alteration in, mo- mo- in managing how much sugar you eat 
that could help you have a better outcome. We don't oh, know absolutely. that yet, but that's the cutting edge of research. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing with that. Sure. I, we're going to go for another quick break and come back and wrap it up. But what I want to do when you come back yeah. is tell us about how you got into medicine, what inspired you. Tell us more also when you come back about the Angiogenesis Foundation and how people can connect with you and contribute to your organization and also a little bit about you growing up as an Asian American and being one of these wonderful overachievers like we all are, but that, that makes you success, successful in this country. So stand by, everybody. We'll come back after the break with Dr. William Lee. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I feel we've only scratched the surface. Definitely the topic of cancer and diet and lifestyle. You need a whole television series for this. And Dr. William Lee definitely is the expert. He's been talking with us over the last uh, 45 minutes. If you're interested in Dr. Lee, if you Google him, uh, they have online, I think it's, uh, you can YouTube it, uh, your uh, presentation at TED, at the TED conference. Amazing, amazing. But uh, definitely, uh, Will, tell us about the Angiogenesis Foundation, how people can connect with you, what you all do, how they can contribute to your organization. Yeah, sure. 
Well, thank you for that. Um, well, the Intergenesis Foundation is an organization I started um, 19 years ago, believe it or not. It's a not-for-profit organization based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, but we actually work all throughout the United States and, in fact, all around the world. Um, we work in Latin America, Asia, throughout Europe, and Canada. And, and the mission of our organization is, is you know, quite simply to um, conquer unbeatable diseases by looking at their common denominator, which are blood vessels that are growing out of control. And it's, uh, I was inspired um, uh, by my mentor, Dr. Judah Folkman, that maybe we could think outside of the box and rather than treat diseases one at a time, like cancer is one field and blindness is another field and obesity is another field, maybe we could find a common thread and pull, a single, pull back the bow and put a single arrow through all of these diseases, cancer, heart disease, stroke, blindness, arthritis, Alzheimer's, obesity, diabetes, and it turns out that angiogenesis is that common denominator. Um, and so my organization literally sets out um, to bring uh, the angiogenesis system back into healthy balance to conquer these diseases. And I thought it might be useful um, to share some uh, cool progress in my world that, that's actually turned out to help people. So to grow blood vessels, there's, a, there's actually a prescription gel for people with diabetes and hmm. who have wounds in their legs, and the patients can paint this gel right on their skin, and it stimulates blood vessels, and it zips the wound shut and prevents amputation. Wow. Um, uh, for people that are um, older, above the age of 50 or 70, who have actually uh, macular degeneration, which is the most common cause of vision loss uh, um, uh, in our country, um, there's a treatment that an eye doctor can give mm -hmm. that is 90% effective in stopping bad blood vessels from growing and bleeding in the eye, and in about 30% of people, it actually reverses some degree of vision loss. So I had a patient uh, from the North Shore of Massachusetts who um, was legally blind, and after getting an anti-angiogenic treatment, um, uh, she was able to actually call me from her car oh, uh, to let me know that she actually went and played a golf game. Wow. Um, and then for cancer, there are 14 new treatments for 16 different types of cancers that cut off the blood supply. So, um, you know, my organization is a charity. Um, you can find us on the on our website at www angio a n g i o dot org that's angio dot org and I've, and as it relates to food and diet we actually created a campaign a global campaign called eat to defeat cancer and so if you search us online you just go to www dot eat to defeat dot org we are rallying people from all around the world we've got fifteen thousand plus people from um, uh, more than 90 countries that have all joined to find out, learn about, and support the work, our research, um, to, to lower the burden of cancer. So you can donate through to our, my organization as a nonprofit um, through our angio.org website. And if you really want to actually learn exactly what to eat uh, um, uh, with the evidence and, and recipes, we've even had Mario Batali and <laughs> uh, Ming Tai contribute recipes, cancer-fighting recipes, Go to eatthisdefeat.org, and you can support us there, too. Do you see patients in your practice anymore? Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I kind of made a transition from being a, a primary care doctor, family doctor, to, and also I used to run uh, emergency rooms and intensive care units, um, uh, uh, trying to balance research with, with care. Mm -hmm. And when I stepped into the nonprofit world to run my organization, I realized I, I had to um, really choose um, my path. Mm -hmm. And so I spent most of my time running the Angiogenesis Foundation, which, you know, is more than a 24-hour day. Right. But I do actually um, uh, take on um, certain patients that, you know, uh, usually people who um, 
have have um, run out of options. It's really kind of what I enjoy doing and, and feel my calling is now when it comes to patients. You know, is uh, if if you're a patient with a disease of some sort of cancer and you've been told there's no options, that's usually where my day begins. I just got a question online for you, Dr. Lee. One of our listeners asked, is uh, PET scanning an option to pick up early cancer, just a screen? Would you would you recommend that? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is a this is a this is actually a really interesting question, which is, you know, we're all you know we all think about, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about preventing cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's a lot of ways to think about it. I mean, there's the screening approaches, um, uh, colonoscopy, mammography, uh, and, and good examination. Um, uh, uh, and we need better ways and to to be able to find blood tests or urine tests for them. Scanning is actually usually a way to pick up advanced cancers. Um, uh, and let me kind of give you a bit of the story about this. Um, and as a footnote to say, scanning is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you pick up false positive and sometimes you have false negatives. And PET scans um, actually um, notoriously can miss things. So usually pet, doctors use PET scans combined with CT scans and MRIs. So, and we'll guarantee insurance will not pay for it. They exactly. don't want you to pay out of pocket. Yeah. So that that's a that's a path that I think you know has a lot of of, of uh, a long way to go before, if ever, mm-hmm. it winds up being um, uh, something that's widely used. But I'll tell you an interesting thing, and this is you know perhaps the most stunning thing I may I should tell your listeners today is that we all have cancers growing in our bodies all the time, even healthy people, and the reason is that. 60 trillion cells, this is what we're made out of, are dividing continuously, and all it takes to make a cancer is for one tiny mistake to occur. And and those are called dormant microscopic cancers. Most of them will never become dangerous. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to worry about them because our immune system actually takes care of them. And what we're really trying to do now is to turn cancer research um, to refocus not only on the horse out of the barn, you know, the, the big cancer that's already spread, but finding, can we actually find a way to help the body boost our defense system so that those dormant microscopic cancers never become dangerous? That's really one of the new frontiers, and that's where things like diet can actually uh, make a big difference. Um, and I think if we, you know, take actions, uh, eat healthy, exercise, you know, avoid carcinogens, we may be able to tip the balance in our own favor by boosting our body's own cancer defense systems. Amen to that. I, our hour is almost over, Dr. Lee. I, we could spend hours talking to you. I mean, you're, you definitely, I'm looking forward to your books about healthy lifestyle, how to fight yeah. fight cancers. But thank you for all you do in the Angiogenesis Foundation and for helping so many lives out there. And we're looking forward to more research that you're going to do to help lives. After this, I'm going to go have a, a tomato sauce and green tea and go exercise a little bit, but it is about lifestyle. It's about taking care of yourself and uh, helping yourself uh, have every advantage possible to, to for a healthy lifestyle. So thank you again, Dr. William Lee from the Angiogenesis Foundation. Good health to you, and we'll be in touch. Thank you thank all you. for listening to the Dr. Connie House Calls, and you all have a good week. Take care. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 